Okay, so here we are, guys. We've been in that. We've just started this series, and it's called Gotta Get You Into My Life. And the reason that we called it that is because Jesus made it really clear that eternal life is that you know him. And I think everybody always says, man, I'd love to have eternal life. Well, eternal life, Jesus said, is that not just that you live forever, but that you have an intimate relationship with me. And so the reason we said you got to get you into my life is because the level that you bring someone into your life is the level that you actually know them. And so we receive eternal life. We receive Jesus as a gift and he's present with us. But I love in Ephesians chapter one, verse 17, Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. (laughs) So we can know, we can receive Christ. You can actually have God in your life. And at the same time, that relationship with him can grow. You can get to know him better. And the more that we get to know him, the more that we actually let Jesus into every area of our life. And when we engage in his life, like these areas right here of compassion, of caring for the orphan or going into Honduras or doing the food pantry, anytime we're out there, we engage in his life. We get to know him. And man, you guys, my my greatest desire throughout all my years of ministry is I just, I so long for people to actually experience the living God because that's eternal life. So that's what we're doing is we're talking about it because when when we receive Christ and when we get him into our life and when we're in his life, again, three things happen. Our lives become fulfilled. You actually become who you were created to be, which we'll talk about a lot today. And when you're doing what Jesus wants and he's in your life, everybody around you gets blessed and God gets glorified. The world actually gets to see who he is. So that's why we're doing this series, but there's another reason that we're doing this. And that is because we, earlier this year, we did four weeks about how Jesus said, go and make disciples. And then he said, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. So we're sitting there and we're thinking, okay, so if I'm going to have people in my life that I'm going to actually walk with Christ and teach them, then we need, to help, we need to figure out what are those areas? What are some of the key areas in our life that we can say, hey, how do we get Jesus into these areas of our life? And what are the key areas that are part of Jesus' life? And part of our hope here is that anytime we're walking with somebody and they've made a decision to actually follow Jesus, that we'll be able to go, hey, I want to help you know how you can experience him in every area of your life and how you can experience Jesus too. So last week, uh, Bryson talked about our need to be in Christ's love. If we're actually going to really know him, then we got to get in his life and his love is so different. And uh, he actually taught my favorite passage, I think, in all the Bible as it describes the love of Christ for the powerless, for the ungodly, for the sinner. It's just an amazing love. So we get into his love. Today, I'm going to talk to us about how we need to get Jesus into our identity. How do we get Jesus into our identity? So what is identity? What is our identity? It is the essence of who you believe you are 
at your core. When you say, what's your identity? It's like, who do you believe you are at your core? It is what we have come to believe is the truest statement of who we are. So does everybody have a, a card? I, I asked, uh, we were passing out some uh, uh, cards and some pens. If you don't have one, would you just raise your hand real quick? And uh, my son and my daughter have pens and paper and they will get those to you. Got one here, one over there. It's like a, like a auction here. Here we go. All right, great. So what we're going to do every week, no matter what topic we're actually talking about, is as a team, we were talking, if you're actually discipling somebody, if you're actually helping someone to know God in these different areas of your life, one of the things that you see in scripture is Jesus was always asking questions and he was getting people to think about the topics that he was talking about. And so, that's what we're going to do. And we came up, Mike Rutledge and Bryce and others, they had these, these two very simple but very helpful questions. And so, and basically, we'll, we always ask, what do you believe about the topic that you're going to talk about? And then how did you come to believe that? So here's what I, I'm going to give you a minute, and I want you to answer this question. What do you believe is your truest identity? What do you believe is your identity? And I would, I, I would just start the statement with, I am, and write it out. What do you believe? I want to encourage you, you could write general answers to that, or you could write really specific answers to this. Who do you believe you are? at your core. All right, and then I want you to flip the card over. And this is the question I don't think most people think about. How did you come to believe that? How did you come to believe what's true about your essence of who you are?
Who do you believe you are? What's your identity? And how did you come to believe that? All right. There's two really important truths about our identity. And the first one is this. Everything that you do flows out of who you believe you are. Everything. You get, why do we need to get God into our identity? Because what you believe about the core and the essence of who you are, everything you do flows out of that. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And so every action we do comes to what we believe. And so this idea of the essence of who we are is critical. And that's why we're going to talk about it today. But here's the other thing is true about identity. And that is all identity is learned through an external source. All of our identities, what we actually believe is true about us, we have learned and we've received from something outside of us. So it's received in community through our experiences. So people say things, they've said things to you. People have treated you in certain ways. And depending on who those people are, especially the key people in your life, your parents, what your parents said to you, how they treated you, your brothers and sisters, your classmates, all the way back when you were in elementary school, and even to this day, everything that happens in community outside of you, in that experience, what happens is you begin to agree with what they say or how they treated you, and then you start to live it out, and the next thing you know, it becomes your identity. So we all have false identities. And what are those? They're received through communities that are saying things about you that aren't true. Now, Jesus made this really clear. There's a spiritual enemy who's always lying to us, always telling us things about ourselves that aren't true. You're not worth my time, which means all of a sudden, if, 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 if your mom and dad were not there for you, that created something to you, told you something that you're not valuable. Or maybe you heard you'll never amount to anything. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. If you don't perform, you'll be rejected. So then you're a loser. So we have all these negative thoughts and all these things inside of us that we actually believe that are true about us. And they came from an external source in community. But here's the cool thing. Our true identity is also received from an external source. And it's received from God in community. And I want to tell you guys, this is one main reason the church is so important. The reason, one of the key reasons that God created the church is so that we would be in a community of people who actually received the truth from God and we can reflect it back to each other that we will be a group of people who will see the goodness in each other, speak it, encourage it, build it up. Because almost every human being on the planet has received these false messages and these lies that have hindered us. And God wants to create a community of people who've actually received from him the truth about who you are so we can reflect it back to each other. 
So no one knows our true identity, but God. He is the only one who actually knows who we are. And it's because he created us. So who do we listen to? We listen to the world. We listen to the culture. And it tells us what's true about us. We have individuals who have told us, especially key people in our lives, and we've agreed with what they've said, and we believe those. But we also are believing what our own hearts tell us. And so now, be true to yourself. It's kind of this thing. You can decide who you are in your own identity. It's very interesting. In Jeremiah chapter 17, God says, the heart is more deceitful than anything. So we, even even our own person, we don't know exactly who we are. But then we're trying to come up with it. We're trying to figure out who are we? And God is saying so clear, you'll never know your true self until you hear it from me. I've created you and I know you and I want you to find your life. In Matthew 16, 25 through 26, Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life, and this word life is the Greek word psyche. It's, it's, it's like psychology. It's, it's kind of in, in the verse, actually, it's also interpreted your soul. It is kind of the essence of who you are. And Jesus says, if you want to save your psyche or your soul, you're actually going to lose it. He goes, but if you lose your psyche or your soul for me, he goes, you're going to find it. You're going to find your identity. And then he says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? All right. So here's what I'm going to do today is I'm going to do a 10,000 foot view. I was talking through this with Susie and, and every one of these points could be a message. We could do a whole series on this, but I just felt like I just wanted to give us a, a high view that you, that, so that you can know what does it mean when God is my creator? And I'm going to give three things. He says, here's what's true about you. You're a creation. And then once you put your faith in Christ, he goes, you're a new creation. And then he said, and you're a unique creation. Okay. You're a creation. You're a new creation in Christ and you're a unique creation. Revelation 4.11 says this, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they are created and have their being. So I'm in Revelation right now, you guys, and it's just, I'm just loving it because the magnitude of who God is, when we understand that he's the creator of all things, it means he's your creator. And by his will, he created you. What's the definition of will? It's the faculty by which one decides on and initiates an action. God has decided to create us. He's decided to create you. And then I love this. It says, will is what one wishes or has determined shall be done. So when the scripture tells us by your will, all things were created, what it's telling us is God has actually determined what is who you are 
and why you're here. Okay? So let's look at the first one right here. What can we know about our identity? And in a general sense, this is so important. I am a creation. I am a creation. I am a creature. God has created me. And what that gives us, you guys, is a sense of humility, a sense of humility. Colossians 1.16 says, for in him, which is in Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Okay? So how does this affect us once we understand our identity? Here's the first thing. The God has determined your existence. He's determined your existence. You are his idea. The scripture says, in Christ, all things were created. And one of the coolest things, you know that. Like this table right here, how come this table's here? It's because somebody had an idea. The, the, the reason this table exists is because someone thought of it first and then decided to make it for a purpose. And so when the scriptures tell us, who are you? You are God's creation. It means the only reason you're on the planet is because he thought of you. You are his idea. And he determined your existence. And so again, so when evolution comes into the scene and says, you were not an idea, there wasn't a being who created you. Now you are left to come up and go, well, then who am I? And why am I here? But once you have a creator, you realize I'm here because God's will was to create me. Man, that gives high value to every human being on this planet. Here's a second that says, when you realize you're a creation, you realize that God has determined your purpose. Everybody's trying to figure out why are we here? And this verse makes it very clear. In him, all things were created. Everything has been created through him and for him. So now you can just sit there and go, why am I here? It's like, you are here for God. See, and again, most of us are trying to figure out how do I fulfill my life? How do I satisfy my life? And we actually end up making ourselves the reason for our existence. But we aren't created for ourselves. We were created for him. And so when you come to like, who am I? And God says, you're my creation. I thought of you and you're on this planet for me. So God has determined the purpose of our existence and it's for him. And then the third thing that's interesting, once you realize that your identity is a creation, is that God has determined you to be dependent. And this is what we do not like. <laughs> we want to be independent. We want to be in control. Look at this verse, Acts 17. It says, God, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. This truth, you guys, has really hit me in the last year or two. 
Do you guys realize how dependent you are as a creature, as a human being, right? If all of a sudden someone cuts off your air, what do you do? You die. <laughs> we like to think that we're so resilient and we can do it. It's like, no, you lose air. You don't have water. You don't have food. You're dead. <laughs> That's how dependent God has made us. And so we are not, we don't have this life inside of ourselves. God actually gives it to us and he's made us dependent, but not just physically. He also says, I am the living water. I am the air that you breathe. I am the food for your soul. So it's not just physically dependent, but our hearts and our souls actually were created for him and to find life we're dependent on him. First John 5, 11 and 12 says this, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life and whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Now, I think we all know this. Every one of us are mortal. Every person's dying. We don't possess eternal life within ourselves. God actually has to give it to us. We are dependent spiritually, physically, and he's made us this way. So why is understanding our identity as a creation so critical? Because it creates in us a humility to say, I need God. I need God. Almost every human being says, I don't need God and I don't even want God. But once you realize, who am I? God says, you're my creation. Then we realize we need him and we turn to him. All right, here's the second thing. He says, whoever has the son of God has life. And that's, I'm a new creation. Not only am I a creation, I'm a new creation. And this provides security. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. So how do we become in Christ? If anyone's in Christ, well, we put our faith in him. He says, if, if by faith, we believe in Christ, we entrust him into our lives. And John 1, 12 says, to anyone who receives him, to anyone who believes in his name, God gives the right to become children of his. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. It's his deal. So he determines things for us, you guys. Once we're a new creation, what does he determine? The first one is this. God has determined you to be rich. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? <laughs> I guess I am I'm getting into, to, to, yeah, people are going, okay, wait a second. What are we teaching here? Um, listen to this, Ephesians 1, look what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Why is this important? You know Why? Because you have heard, people have heard all their life, you don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. And we buy that lie. And God's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. As soon as you put your faith in Christ, every spiritual blessing that is in him is yours. First Peter 1.3 says, 2 Peter 1.3 says, you have everything you need for life and godliness. 
God has determined you before the creation of the world to say, I want you to be my child. And once you're my child, he goes, I will give you every spiritual blessing. You have everything that you need. So don't ever buy the lie again that you don't have what it takes. Because if you have Christ, you have everything that you need. Here's the second thing. He's determined you to be his child. Since Ephesians 1 goes on in verse 4, says he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. So God has determined you to be his child. So what happens? Almost every, every person struggles at some period not feeling valuable. I'm not valued. I'm not loved. I'm not esteemed. And God looks at us and says, uh, 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 uh. Listen, if you're in Christ, you're my child. He goes, and I predestined this. He goes, this was my plan before the creation of the world was to adopt you and make you my child. So let me ask you, what had you done before the creation of the world to get God to do that for you? You had done nothing. You know, we're talking about foster care and how kids want to be adopted. What does it take? It takes somebody outside of them to look at them and say, I want you and I want you to be my child. And I tell you, you guys, 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. He has determined you to be his child. And so you are valued and you are loved. And then the third thing, when you're a new creation, which gives you security, is that God has determined you to be holy. He's determined you to be holy. For he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So you know what happens? What, 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 what do we often believe? What a loser. So many of us live with the guilt of our past with the shame of our past, with the struggles that we have. I can't be what people want me to be. I can't be what I want to be. And we feel guilt and we feel shame. And God goes, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is so important. If you're in Christ, then I have made you holy. I have forgiven you of all of your sin. And there's no more place for shame. There's no more place for guilt. You guys, the security the security that comes once you know that my identity is in Christ. I'm his child. I'm loved. I have every spiritual blessing and I am completely forgiven and I'm holy. This is why it's important that we understand that God has determined. Jesus said, you're on this planet for me. And God said, and I want you to be my son and I've determined to make you my child. It's all his. And then lastly, we're a unique creation. You're a unique creation. And that means we have ability, the power and capacity to do things physically, mentally, morally, spiritually. And God has created every one of us in this room uniquely. Your life matters, you guys. That's what this means, your life matters. First thing, God has determined your being. Psalm 139 you created my inmost being, my DNA. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. So when we understand this about God, you guys, what does this mean? It means our physical and emotional and intellectual capacity. Isn't it crazy? Nobody got a vote. Did anybody of you guys get a vote on how are you going to come out of your mother's womb? Anybody get a vote on how tall you're going to be? What color hair you're going to have or if you're going to have hair? Did anybody get a vote on this? Nobody got a vote. We didn't get a vote on our personality. We didn't get a vote on our talents. We didn't get a vote on our aptitudes. Like, you know, Mariah and, 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 and uh, Caleb are in the back and Ashlyn's coming home tomorrow from school. My three kids, man, they came out completely different. I've got Neapolitan even. I got a redhead, a blonde, and a dark and a brown-haired kid. There's just, and none of them got to choose which one they were gonna get. Here's the deal. God thought of you and your being. The fact that Ashlyn was an athlete, Mariah was an actress and a singer, and Caleb is an artist. Why? That's just because it's who he made him to be. And so every one of us, man, this is where we can help as the church, you guys. This is where we can look at each other and we can see the uniqueness and we can see the beauty in every person that's in this room that's a part of our body. And we can call it out and we can build them up and we can say, God made you for this reason. And that's the next thing. He didn't just determine your being. He determined your purpose. Look at this. My eye, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained, or the word is actually formed for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. Have you guys found your unique purpose? Do you know why you're here? How cool is it to know? Before one day came to be, God said, I have a plan for you. I have ordained and formed every day. I didn't just make you unique. I made you unique. You are an expression to the world of me that nobody else can be. But I've also ordained your days. And so if you're trying to figure that out, why is it important that we understand that we're a creation of God's? Because he is the only one who knows why you're on this planet. And he's the only one who knows why he gifted you and made you the way that he did. And then lastly, real quick, God has determined your gifts. I'm not gonna read all this, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it just tells us that spiritual gifts, as soon as you become a part of the church, it goes, God gives you spiritual abilities. And here in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says this, and all of these gifts are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. God, as I thought through this series, this, this message today, you guys, all I could think of was, oh my goodness, what's our response to this? First, it is Jesus. Thank you. We worship you. I'm only even on this planet because you thought of me. And I worship you because I realize I'm dependent. You made me. I'm weak as a human being. I need you. And then I worship you that you loved me enough to come and redeem me and make me your child and give me every spiritual blessing. You determined that. Jesus did that for you, you guys. And then it's Jesus 
who made you who you are. This is why we need to bring him into our identity. Because if we don't, then we're going to listen to what the world says. And we're going to listen to what our own heart says. And we're going to listen to what other people say. And we're going to fall short and we're going to keep searching. But once we let God in and we let him tell us who we are, we find our life. So band, come on up and let's conclude our service with worship. And as they do, look at this, Matthew chapter 16. What's our response, you guys? Here's what Jesus says. If you try to save your life, your psyche, your identity, if you try to do it, because you're never going to find it, you're going to lose it. He goes, but if you'll lose it, if you'll give it up and say, God, I give you my life. I acknowledge you as my creator and my new creator and my unique creator. And then you give him your life. And Jesus says, if you, um, if you lose your life for me, you're going to find it. You will find your identity and the reason that you're here. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your very identity? Man, thank you, God, for telling us who we are. So let's stand and we're going to worship and they're going to lead us in this first song of just lifting Jesus up as majesty, as king, as God, as creator. Lord, take our worship now. Connect our hearts to you. Help us to humble ourselves before you. Help us to relish in the security that we have because of what you've done for us. And we receive your blessing in Jesus' name. All right, let's worship.